Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, we talked to Kyle Claver. He bought an age domain, and he was able to grow the income within eight months to $2,200 per month. This is a rebroadcast, so you might recognize the headline and Kyle's name and that sort of thing, but it was a very popular episode back in April of 2021, so I wanted to roll it again because he did start with an age domain that he picked up from Otis, which happens to be the sponsor of the show, so I'll go ahead and give a shout out to Otis, that's O-D-Y-S dot global. They're the source for age domains with strong branding and powerful backlinks. The featured domain for today is EnglishBlog.com, and it was run by an English language enthusiast, and it covers different topics from studying with English as a second language, as well as indulging the author's own interest for some of the nuances of the language. It was created back in 2002. So it's a staggering 19 years old domain rating of 32, and it's very, very brandable. And I think, you know, in this this sort of uh, broad area of language, there's a huge amount that you could grow this site. There are 650 do follow referring domains, and it is available over at Otis. And if you join using my affiliate link, number one, I greatly appreciate that, but you also can get $100 into your account. So there's no reason not to check it out. And even if this domain is not interesting to you, then there are other domains and you could sort of uh, join, set up an account and wait to strike whenever you see the domain that you are interested in. So I think I'm going to send it over to sort of the, the pre-interview talk just before the interview of the previous episode. Don't worry, it'll all make sense once we get started here. And you can connect with Kyle. There's a link in the show notes and description. So you'll be able to uh, contact him if you want to try and work with him or ask him questions or anything like that. Kyle picked up this age domain roughly in August of 2020. Within three months, he hit $197 in a single month. And we recorded the episode right at the beginning of... April, the end of March. So by March, he earned $2,200 from various income sources. So there's a little bit coming from Amazon and there's another affiliate, um, I guess, offer and company that he's working with. So he's doing really well. I have, uh, you know, looked at the traffic trajectory. It's pretty amazing starting from, uh, you know, very low traffic and he got some, got some traction pretty quickly. So we go in depth on his strategy. Now, the cool thing is Kyle really wasn't um, an expert in the affiliate marketing and SEO area. He wanted to learn more and he's a digital nomad. He's traveled around a, a decent amount, which we talk about, but he became an apprentice for at least one or a group of some high level SEOs and high level affiliate marketers. So he, he talks about that. And I do ask him about strategies to become an apprentice and work with people that uh, you could learn from and how to do this in a way where you stand out from the competition and not be creepy, right? So it's a, it's a fine line to stand apart from the competition and not be a weirdo. But Kyle's awesome. 
really enthusiastic. I can't wait to have him on again and hear what he's working on, hear what happens with his site as we get, you know, beyond the eight to nine month period. And we're talking, you know, over a year old, 18 months old, that sort of thing. So again, Kyle drops so many helpful tips. And if you have questions, please do email me feedback at doug.show. We may be able to circle back with Kyle and follow up on those questions. Additionally, Kyle set up a website at the time that I'm recording this intro. I don't know what it is. I can't remember exactly, but we'll put links in the show notes so I don't mess it up. You can just follow the link in the description and connect with Kyle. I think he'll have a couple services in play. So if they're a good match for you, I think they're going to be fairly uh, budget options. So really good opportunity to hook up with Kyle. All right. I think that's enough for now. Let's hear Kyle's story. Hey, what's going on? Doug Cunnington here, and I'm with my new friend, Kyle. He emailed me a few weeks ago because he started a site on a age domain. And he was able to hit $197 within the first three months. And most recently in March of 2021, he's hit $2,200. Very fast uh, trajectory. And I'm excited to bring him on. Kyle, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic, Doug. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's uh, great to meet you. We don't actually know each other that well. We've only talked for about five minutes before this. So I'm looking forward to learn from you and hear about your story. So I mentioned some of the results and I'm curious about your background. So who are you? What were you doing before you got into affiliate marketing? And just a little bit about your background. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I've been in, I've been doing like digital marketing, basically or working in one way or another for the past, I would say four or five years now. I actually come from like a construction background, nothing, uh, that's it, construction. I wanted to live like the, the lifestyle, uh, travel the world and all that kind of stuff and be the, the, the digital nomads. So I got into digital marketing about four or five years ago. And then since then, I've kind of just been traveling around. So I started with dropshipping. That was my first venture. Um, and through dropshipping, I learned a little bit more about SEO, Just, but I did all SEO for like Shopify and stuff like that. Got some pretty good results, which is what got me kind of hooked on SEO. And then... Um, uh, in oct uh, about a year and a half ago i went to the chiang mai seo conference and then that's where i really got like i i got the most experience basically starting there about a year and a half ago with affiliate seo and started to really pursue that awesome and yeah. you're located in thailand right yeah so i've been based in thailand now for about the past year and a half yeah okay so so how was it uh, as far as adjusting to a whole new geography a different lifestyle mm -hmm. Yeah, so I actually moved to Thailand uh, about four, like five years ago when it all started. And I moved here just to like, I just sold all my stuff, moved to Thailand. I wanted like a fresh start. I had no idea what I was going to do. I had an item on my bucket list, which was to train Muay Thai in Thailand. So I actually came in Chiang Mai about four years ago. That's how I started. Trained Muay Thai for the first six months living here. I actually ended up having a few fights uh, in Thailand as well. And that's what really kicked it all off. So I already had some, before coming to, to, to Thailand this most recent time, I already had some experience with the Thai culture and, and living abroad. So for me, the transition was pretty easy. And before living in Thailand this most recent time, I was in Colombia for like a year and then Mexico City for about a year. So moving and picking up and starting fresh at that point, I'd already, I'm, I was pretty used to it. So, okay. yeah. 
Wow, this yeah, the transition uh, was pretty good. That's pretty amazing. So a little four hour work week mixed in there, I guess. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. exactly it. Yeah. Do you speak uh multiple languages? Uh so I don't speak Thai, but I like from living in, in Latin America, I did pick up some Spanish as well. Yeah. So I'm I would say conversational in Spanish and speak pretty good. Yeah. Awesome. That's pretty cool. That's I think it, yeah. we could do a whole other episode on, on lifestyle stuff, but we'll, we'll focus sure. on affiliate marketing here. So yeah. I am curious where you source the domain. I, I mentioned it was an age domain and for the people that mm-hmm. don't know, can you kind of explain like either what an age domain or an expired domain is and what the advantages are to using that compared to starting a site from scratch? Yeah. So basically I'll just talk about like the age domain. So you're right. It is an age domain. So basically just somebody else had a domain that was probably used for like some other business or what have you. And the big benefit is that it's already been around. So for example, the domain that I built it on has already been around for about like 20 years or something like this. So it's been around, it has the authority. It's already been uh, recognized, I guess, within Google. And ideally it's going to have some like really high quality backlinks already built to it. So then the person, I guess it goes up for auction or something like this. And then you can, you have the, the chance to, um, to buy it and kind of repurpose that domain basically. Okay. I'm, and, yeah. <laughs> oh, keep going. Yeah. No, no. I was just going to say, I, I'm not the most uh, tech savvy kind of guy. So I, I won't be able to like break down exactly the difference. I mean, I might get scolded for giving such a simplified view, but uh, that's, that's just kind of how I look on it. I, I don't want to overcomplicate it so much. Yeah. Well, I like that approach. I often talk when I have no idea what I'm talking about. So I respect yeah. that <laughs> yeah. and we, we can move on. So people could look up the specific definitions. This was an age domain and yeah. we didn't talk about where you sourced it, but um, I mean, you could mention it here if you want to yes. give that company a plug. Yeah, for 100%. I mean, I highly recommend Otis, uh, O-D-Y-S Domains. It's, it's an acronym for something I can't remember. But yeah, you've, you've spoken about it before. You have it uh, mentioned in your email list. So that's one of the reasons I was like more confident because I heard good things about them. Like if I had to go and find an age or an expired domain on my own and go through the whole auction process and all this, I'd be very lost. So the reason why I use Otis is because number one, I had I, from the guys that I had spoken to, they had a good reputation and they do all the... Um, the, the due diligence uh, for you basically. So it's like, you don't have to worry so much about the fine details and what you're getting yourself into and doing all the checks. So I did do some due, dil- dil- uh, due diligence myself, um, but they did the they did most of it, right? So obviously I have my own checks before purchasing the domain, but in terms of like checking the the history and all that stuff, they, they do a good job of doing that for you. So they make it really easy, just like turnkey domains basically. Yes. And they have been a sponsor, although they're not sponsoring this episode at the time that we're recording this, but they do have a great dashboard where you can filter on referring domains, the age, you can get all the Mm -hmm. metrics from uh, various SEO companies. So they do make it very easy for a person to get at least the pre-vetting done. So from the yeah. due diligence standpoint, what did you check on, Kyle, once you found a site that you thought, hey, this domain's pretty good. I, I want to look deeper. Yeah. So my checks are pretty easy. Like the pretty, it's it's not, I mean, I'll check like the way back history and all the rest of it. So the main thing that I'm looking at is <clears throat> I'm looking like number one at the, um, like what was the domain previously? And I'm always trying to match up the relevancy as close as possible, right? So if you have a 
a site that's on like shoes, right? Like I'm gonna, I'm always gonna keep it like really as as um, as relevant as possible. So that's the number one thing I want to know is like what was it before, and then I'm thinking about what can I potentially, how can I turn this into like an Amazon or, or an affiliate site, basically. Um, then the other big one is also just checking the backlinks. Like so, I check the DR and the backlinks. But one thing that I think you really have to be careful of is the, actually the quality of the backlinks, and also the anchor text. Um, that's being used. So when I'm checking the backlinks, I'm just making sure that they, they are indeed like high quality backlinks, you know, so just checking like what are the actual sources? I mean, I don't want to get too much into like the how to determine the quality of a backlink. But one thing I can one thing I, I will say is um, people that I like I've worked with other people that have bought age domains and the backlink quality just isn't there. Like it's not worth the money, basically. So you have to look at it as like, what is the value of these backlinks and how easy would it be to get these backlinks myself? In a lot of cases with an age domain, you're going to be able to get backlinks that it's going to be nearly impossible to get by outreach or Haro even sometimes, right? So that's like the huge benefit is getting the backlinks that nobody else can really get, right? It's going to be much more difficult. And then of course, looking at anchor text. So I like to look at... Um, making sure that the majority of the anchor text that's used is branded anchor text. So that to me is just a good sign. Uh, and then, yeah, that's, that's the, the, that's, that's most of it anyways. Cause I know that Otis has already done a lot of the vetting for me. So I'm just basically looking on backlinks and then what the, the, what the history is and, and yeah, that's most of it anyways. And the, the relevancy, like you said, so. That's huge. I yeah. hundred think- percent. Okay. In how close do you try to make it like a shoulder niche? Like, is that close enough or do you really try to make Uh, it where the backlinks make complete sense topically and for the content that will be on the site? Yeah. I try to get it as close as possible. Like to give you, like to give you an example, like I just bought, um, a sport website or whatever. So we'll just say like, and it's of the exact same sport that I'm doing, for example, like, and it's because, but it's because it's a good domain. So maybe I might stretch it a little bit more, but I'm always trying to get it as relevant as possible. And I know people that have had successful age domains or, or expired domains that weren't as, as, as relevant, like they weren't an exact match, like within the same topic, they were shoulder niches and they still worked well. Um, but if I can get away with like uh, finding the, if, 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 I can, if I can get the, the, the relevance as close as possible, then of course I'm going to take it. And so far with the, the, the domains that I bought, it's been pretty easy to do from Otis. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So I'm going to sort of zoom out a little bit and we're going to mm-hmm. talk more about what you did after you got the site as far as content, link building and other strategies when you're working with an age domain and you're putting your yeah. new content on there. So From a content standpoint, how did you approach it? How did you think about keywords, competition analysis, and so Mm -hmm. on? So just focusing on content, I'll sort of turn you loose and let you tell me about it, Kyle. Yeah, cool. So this is, uh, I love this topic as well. I'm excited. So uh, one of the big things I think as well before buying the domain is you have to have a good idea of what keywords you're going to be targeting first. So that's another thing that I've seen with other people that I've worked with, like clients and stuff like that, that are also buying age domains as they go, oh, I got this great domain. They, they purchase it, but they have no keywords to target. So making sure before you buy the, the domain, you already have an idea of the keywords. So I had, already had like a pretty good idea of the keywords that I wanted to target. Like I already had a list before I bought the domain. So then it was basically ready. So then once I bought the domain, just right away, go to the content. And I think we started with, so usually what I like to do is start with like 15 articles first and um, maybe like a mix now between like info content and affiliate content. So money content or whatever. 
and I'm trying to cho choose like the lowest, like the the lowest difficulty keywords possible, like just to try to get some sort of like foothold in the niche and see how it performs. So shout out uh, to you, Doug, for the KGR method. I, that's a big, that's a big, um, I use that a lot with my keyword research. So it's not the end all be all, but it's a really important metric that I also do look at. So planning out the keywords. So say I, I'm going to start with a, a batch of say 15 articles and I want to see how those articles perform. So say it's going to be like whatever, mix between info and affiliate, get those ready, um, add them to the site. So for, I mean, we could talk about like the more depth structure of the content a little bit later on if you're interested, but basically what I'm trying to do is I just want to add those, that, that, those articles to the site um, and see how they index and how they perform before I go all in, if that makes sense. So I'll add like 15 uh, initially, that's like the first batch, set up the site accordingly. And then I might just do like one or two a week after that. And I'll just kind of put it on hold, like standby. And what I'm doing is I'm checking to see how well those articles are going to index. So if they index like anywhere in the top, say 30 positions, that's a pretty good sign for me. So I'm okay. I think this, I think we can make this domain work and like full speed ahead to start publishing as much content as possible to get to at least like 50 articles. That's like the initial goal. Okay. So you publish about yeah. 15, you wait yeah. a few weeks, see what happens. Mm -hmm. And then from yeah. there you'll take action. Exactly. Exactly. If they uh, and then in, Oh, go Sorry, ahead. Cool. Go ahead. So another thing as well is um, like, there's obviously a lot of like smaller details to go in, but with the setting up of the new domain going through one, this is a really uh, important step as well with the new domain, like age domain is going through, like putting it into say, for example, Ahrefs um, and then checking like the best by links. So checking all the backlinks and making sure that you're recreating or at least 301 redirecting those pages that have backlinks either to the homepage or other relevant pages that you're, that you're putting up just to make sure that you're not missing any like uh, link juice or link equity. So that's really important. Don't miss that step. Uh, okay. No, wanna, yeah. Perfect. And that's a point that we should emphasize. If you're yeah. getting an age domain, expired domain, whatever, check the URLs that have links going to them. Those are the important ones. So recreate yeah. them, rewrite them. You, you maybe don't want to, snag the old content how, how do you treat it kyle do you write new content for it so what i'll do is i'll uh, so basically i just export it i'll put it into a list and then i look at like <clears throat> are there are there pages that have backlinks that could still be relevant and it, what and how i kind of determine relevance is mostly just like if it has the same um uh, like the keyword in the url so for you know like the keyword in the url then i'll create a similar page and just 301 redirect it uh, to that new page that is similar. So there's relevancy within like, a, like you can put it in a way back, but mostly I'm just looking at the keyword and the URL and you have a pretty good idea of what this page is about. So if I can match up the keywords within the URLs and maybe create like an info content, or even if it's money content, then you can recreate that page 301 to the new page. If there's, if I, if it's not that relevant, then I'm not going to recreate the content. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to either 301 it to like say the homepage or maybe the blog or something like that, just to make sure that it's going somewhere. So on my, the, the site that we're talking about now, most of the art, like I didn't recreate many pages at all. It, maybe just a couple that were like super relevant, but the, the bulk of them just got 301 to the homepage. Okay. And do you happen yeah. to remember maybe the domain rating or the DA metrics for this yeah, particular domain? 100%. Yeah, hundred percent. That's why I bought it. So it was pretty good. It was like, honestly, it was a really great domain. So it's like, I bought it as a DR46 and had like over 400 referring domains had like, yeah, really high quality links as well. Like a lot of DR90, a lot of DR80 links. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, really high quality. And, and super relevant as well. Like very relevant links. The context is relevant, all that stuff. Yeah. Awesome. And 
can you share, you don't have to, but can you share how much you paid for the domain? It was under 2000. I think it was maybe like 1800 bucks. Okay. So, you know, not a trivial amount, but uh, kind of a bargain if you look at what it would take to recreate the links and to get a DR46 domain. That's pretty, I mean, that's a pretty good deal overall. It's a great deal. So, so one of the ways that I also like to look at it is just looking at like, um, looking at say all the backlinks and like just doing a quick average, like what would it cost me to recreate this domain if I had to do the outreach myself? Cause I do outreach myself. We have Haro, we have all this stuff. So what is it going to cost me to recreate this domain? Um, like, like, I mean, you can do the math yourself depending on how much you're getting your links for, but how much the links cost or how hard they were, they're going to get, or how hard they're going to be to get. Right. So in a lot of cases, when you actually break it down on a link by link basis, the, the domains are a bargain. It seems like a high upfront cost, but really they're a bargain if you break it down link by link, right? And then also the age, like the like it's it's you know it's been around for twenty years, and a lot of the links I couldn't even get myself. Be impossible, you know, like they just there's no way. So, and just to add a little more nuance, it's also the age of the links too. So you may have links from mm. a great source that are you know five years old, like. You, yeah. you can't recreate that. Like you literally will exactly. back in time. So, all right. So when you started adding content, so you published like 15 articles, things look good. Yeah. And then yeah. you go all in. So what's your publishing schedule like? And it sounds like you have a decent mix of informational and product reviews. So once mm-hmm. you realized things were reacting well, what did mm-hmm. you do? Yeah. So once we realized it was reacting well on this site, what we did is, so it was like, it only took like a week or two for the articles to index. And I had actually all the articles indexed on page two. It was like, we had some like index position 12, 13, 15, they're really low competition keywords. Um, but still that was either way to be on page two is a great sign for me, regardless of the competition, the keywords. So from there, then we just, uh, we rolled out a plan and we basically did like one article a day, uh, for the first, like, I think like the first, like, 60 or not this one we went like full on this is when i was really excited about so this is when we did like one article a day for the first like 60 or 70 days something like that yeah okay so we we got to 100 posts pretty fast but it was one article a day perfect so you got it to 100 posts uh is it sounds like within whatever a quarter or so how many articles are there now uh and we're recording this at the very end of march 2021 yeah, it's about like 180. It's it's creeping up on 200 now. Okay, creeping up on 200. Yeah. Awesome. And just from a, you know, look, looking forward, and I'll ask you a little bit more about this, but what's the content plan? Are you going to be able to publish like a thousand articles or is it a little smaller? Or what, what's your mm-hmm. idea around publishing? Yes. Yeah, so, so now we've, um, we've, we've scaled back a little bit on publishing. So now we're doing about three a week. And we'll just kind of keep doing that just consistently. Uh, so now when, the, when there's like a little bit more budget, like, so we did three a week. And then now after this most recent update, like the Google, uh, or sorry, the, the December 4 update, the, the core update or whatever, notice that. So one of the, we're trying to focus more on info content basically after that update. So we did publish another like 25, but we did that like in a batch. We're still in the process of doing that. So we're still, do, we're still sticking with the three a week schedule and that's going to be consistent. And then if we have the time and the resources, right? Cause we have different projects and what have you, then we'll do different batches or, or bigger batches at once. And we just throw that on as fast as possible. And so if we can get seven or 10 a week, in addition to that, that's great, but it's just to get like the, the bulk done. So we're doing like an additional 20, 20, 25 info articles on top of the three a week. And we'll just keep 
I'll just keep that. We'll just keep rolling with that uh, and then just monitoring performance basically. And then kind of just take it like on a month by month basis, I guess. But we have the capability to get it to like the niche is big enough where we could grow to over a thousand articles. So, okay. But it's more so just about earnings. Yeah. Performance of the site in terms of earnings. Okay. And as far as the specific pieces of content, can you tell us a little bit about that? Are there, um, a certain number of uh, words that you aim for, for informational versus the product mm-hmm. reviews and just formatting some of the ideas that you believe are really valuable for publishing content. Yeah. So um, number one is we use surfer surfer SEO for all articles or more, like the majority of the articles, right? So uh, we use that to dictate like target word count. So for example, like for, uh, for mo- like every article before we write it is going to be checked for the, the top five, say, um, competitors. And we'll take like an average of what everybody else is like, what's the average of the top five competitors. And that's going to determine our target word count. So that's, then we usually add maybe like t- uh, 15 to 20% to that. So the only time we don't use surfer, uh, surfer is just an on-page SEO tool. If anybody's not familiar, but it's, it's pretty well known to Google surfer SEO. Um, the only pages that we're not using surfer for like it would be the keywords that are and this happens a lot in the niche as well where keywords that are not um nobody else is really targeting them they might be really long tail keywords or it's mostly forms on page one or the competitors are just really sucks so i don't even want to base anything off them and that just kind of comes from my own experience so in that case what we do is we kind of have like a process for that and if there is nobody else to compare ourselves to then we usually go anywhere between 750 to 1300 words Obviously, the less words you write, the, the less your expenses are going to be. So if we can get away with less words, that's ideal. Um, so it's going to be 750 to uh, 1300 words max. And then using the exact match keyword that we're trying to target at least three times it's in the body and then always exact match or close. And then like obviously the SEO title, the H1, like those things. Um, yeah, that's it. So and then, yeah, so that's it. So that doesn't matter for, for info articles or roundup or reviews or vs we're basically just basing it off of surfer and what the competitors are already doing and and yeah that's it okay and i i you you said it quick but i just want to make sure i heard it right so you the exact match keyword you'll use it about three times like once in the title and then a couple times in the copy um so if there's no surfer then what we do like the, the 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 process is always to use the exact match three times within the body so, so within the first hundred words, within the last hundred words, and then somewhere in between, somewhere in the middle of the, the actual, the paragraph text. And then we get uh, SEO title. Yeah. So then the, the important part is it doesn't have to be exact match in the SEO title, but like should be really close. So if it's a plural version, then it's fine. You know what I mean? Like an SEO title. Sure. And then at the H1, we just try to um, keep it targeted, but like some sort of close variation as well within the H1. So we're targeting more keywords, but it has to be a very close variation of the, the primary keyword. Got it. Yeah. For the actual formatting of the content, do you use tables? Um, do you have any specific conversion points, buttons, feature boxes, things that you really like to use? Yeah, so always uh, we, we follow the same template for every. So we have like info article templates because uh, we have like team writers and editors and all the rest of it. So we have like posts around that. So we use we have various templates that we use. So basically info and the most of the info is, is how to. 
I know we're talking about conversions. I'll get to that real quick. So the, yeah, the, the template for the, the roundup review, I guess you would say, which is the typical like best article would be, it's like 50 to 100 words intro. And then right after we have the table with all the, the our top products with the, you know, the CTAs, right? The big buttons that are nice. Everything is obviously mobile responsive and looks really good on mobile, which is important. And then so you have the, the table. So the way that we structured is intro, table with our top, whatever top three or top five recommendations. And then after that, uh, we'll have a breakdown of every product. So then every product after the table will have 100 description, three, pro, uh, three to four pros, one con, and then CTA, another CTA for the number one product. And then it, we just do that for the top 10 products. So say you're doing a top 10 roundup, you'll have um, a description for each one of those products of the top 10 with the, the pros and cons and then another CTA. And then we do our buyer's guide after that. So the things that you should look for when buying whatever product or whatever whatever you're searching for. And then one last final CTA at the very bottom where we promote our number one product again in the conclusion. Just to Perfect. kind of summarize. Yeah. Okay, great. And if people want to get a similar template, Niche Site Project actually has one like that. The only difference is the buying guide in my template is at the top. But mm -hmm. I test and, and switch things around every now and then. I put all the products at the top and the buying guide at the bottom. I think yeah. um, there's data that shows the buying guide at the bottom works better. And then I think you could probably find examples where someone will tell you that the buying guide at the top works better. But the point is all that information is there. Tables are good. Yeah. Calls to action, feature boxes, pros, cons. It's all there. So excellent. Yeah. Any other things about the content that maybe it's a special thing that you do that you haven't heard much about elsewhere? Um, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing that I would say that I see like, well, a lot of like what I mess up on sometimes, and I've also seen a lot of people mess up on sometimes is, and I know like uh, when we're starting like a niche site, we're doing really targeted keywords, right? So just making sure that there's no content overlap. So having a good idea of like the content you're planning and then making sure that all your articles are like very specific to that one primary keyword. So you don't, you, you don't have too much content overlap. Uh, you don't have like keyword cannibalization where you have two keywords competing for the same term. So that's really, I would say that's the, the biggest thing that I would see that have, like people have issues with is just not creating like, yeah, not having the article focused enough. And then also, yeah, that, that's the big thing. Actually, I, I mess up on that far more mm -hmm. often because I'll hire a, maybe a content team to test out the, yeah. the company and they'll find the keywords for me. And then they don't check that I already have a piece of content on that. Or yeah. I get the list of keywords and forget to double check on my list because I think it's laziness, to be honest with you. But We'll say I'm busy yeah. instead as my excuse, <laughs> but you, you get the point. So you always got to check and make sure you don't already have that keyword. When your site gets big, it's easy to screw up on that. So yeah, yeah. a really good point. Now you, you mentioned um, we a few times. It sounds like you have a content team. What's yeah. your team like? How, how did you find them? Who's writing for you? How is it working with them? Do you have managers in place? What's it like? Yeah, so I don't have managers in place. I'm I'm the head manager right now. That we're not at that we're not at that size yet. It's pretty pretty small team. You know what I mean? So and that's kind of the way I like to keep it. It's it's very intimate. Um, but basically, we have a thing right now. I have like uh, three writers. 
So everybody works like, so that the writers all work like on a per word basis. So they're not like full time or anything like that, but they're, um, so three writers, we have Uploader who does all the, the designing and making sure everything looks pretty. Uh, then one general VA that just kind of just picks up the, the loose pieces of missing things. And then one uh, like basically full time content, content editor, content manager. But really, it's her responsibility to to oversee like the the topics and then uh, the outlines and then checking content, checking it for review, and then also checking it one more time once it's been uploaded to make sure everything like looks good and and the final the end result is good before we hit publish. So, where did you find your team? Uh, mostly Upwork, yeah, mostly Upwork, and then onlinejobs.ph, and then just through like uh, referrals. So you find like if you find one good person, then generally they can like they can recommend you, you know, one or two more good people. So that's that's really it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and Facebook groups actually, Facebook groups is a big one. Uh, yeah. Okay. A any particular groups that you find very helpful? Uh, what are they? There's like a handful, but if you like. Like, you know what? I can't remember. That was exactly. a bad question. Yeah. So um, you, you can send basically, me some you just links. type in like yeah. like yeah, sure. I can send you some links for sure. Okay, yeah. yeah. So we'll put links in the description and show notes and all that stuff. So sorry, that was a dumb question. Like no, no, no. no. One <laughs> one for sure that's really good for writers is cult of copy. That's a good one for writers for sure. Cult of copy. Cult of copy. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's name, Yeah. Very good. Right. And from a hiring standpoint, um, w were there any specific challenges that you faced? I know that's a big hurdle for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So luckily I got some really good. So when I actually moved to Chiang, Chiang Mai, like just a year and a half ago, um, I kind of got started on this. I had a, I kind of went through like an apprenticeship program for, for SEO with some really, with some really high level people. I'll say. So I did about a year with them as like an apprentice, which is basically like an SEO manager, mostly overseeing like the content and uploading, um, that's that's a lot of it, and then obviously you have other other responsibilities. But what the big responsibility is hiring and finding people. So I learned a lot of that through them. So I was kind of fast tracked into the process. Um, but I've also kind of like refined my 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 process a little bit as well for hiring and, and and training people. So number one is if you're hiring for a position, always look like don't find one person, find three people that are going to do the job because chances are one is always going to flake. One is going to suck and the other one is going to be okay, for example. But like it happens all the time. So you find one, you think they're going to be great. You think you did a good job as a manager hiring somebody. Then you get them doing it for one week and then they never show up or they, they decide the job is too hard. So always look for three people when you're hiring for a new position and work with all three people. So now I try to like run through it really quick, I think, because... A big part of the, the hiring process is like you can have somebody that looks really great on paper, they interview good, they even have some good references. But when it comes to actually doing the job, they're just not they're just not there. Or it could just be like um, not everybody works well together. So maybe they're going to work well with some uh, one type of person, but they're not going to work well with me. So I like to just throw people in as fast as possible, like do some quick checks, have a quick interview, message them a little bit. But I always have trial work that I start them off with, which I just give them like minimal supervision or minimal support. And I say like, hey, do this. We're going to start you off like on a two week or one month trial. This is your responsibility. Do this. And that's basically it. Like just kind of throw them into the fire and just kind of see how they respond. And then you'll you'll find out pretty quick. And there's been people that have surprised me. There's been people that I thought were going to be great and they suck. Um and and that's sure. it, you know. I've even had I've even had like a, a quick little side note. Like I had a, a girl that I was interviewing, <clears throat> and I even wrote to myself, like, hopefully she doesn't listen to this. Actually, she won't know who it is, anyways. But I have a few girls that work for me. So she won't know. So I was I was actually interviewing and I had the call and everything, check references. 
And I was like, man, this, this girl's no good. After interviewing, I said, no way I'm going to hire her. But things got busy and I got in a pinch and she was my best. Like after a few weeks had passed, a few weeks had passed and I got into a pinch and I needed somebody like just to help me out real quick. Cause things just kind of, I got really busy with clients cause I have clients as well. So I messaged her, Hey, can you help me out with this? And real quick, she did it. And then, Oh, that was pretty good actually. Then, Hey, can you help me out with this? And now she's like my best employee. So just goes to show you like, you know, like my, my judgment is not the greatest. You know, I like to think that I'm the best, a, a good judge of character and all the rest of it. But you don't really know until you, you kind of test somebody. That, that's, my, that's my approach. I mean, maybe there's better managers than, than there, there are better managers than me out there. But uh, for my approach, like it's just, it's working. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of it is also looking at like the end result that you're trying to achieve. You know, like it, it, as long as you're getting the end result, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in that. As long as we're moving towards our goals, then the finer details, like just look at the end result, basically. That's what I try to focus on and the overall um, performance. Yeah. Like, that's a great point. I, I've interviewed many, many people in my corporate job and the interview has very little to do with the performance or what someone can do. Some people just kind of, they kind of fuck up on an interview, you know, it's, it's, it's stressful in a lot of ways. So, um, there's no better test than have someone do the job. And like you said, get the end result. Does that work? And of course, yeah. You know, you have to be able to work with someone. You have to have mm -hmm. uh, the right communication style and that sort of thing. But a lot of it's so coachable that as long as um, they're willing to to work with you, you're going to be in good shape. So yeah, yeah. It, at some point in time, I stop doing interviews at all. And I just throw people, like you said, exactly what they would get on the job. And if it's close enough, like people can be coached. But yeah. um, for me communication, uh, deadlines, uh, just following directions are some of the most important things. A lot of other things mm -hmm. you could kind of, you could teach someone to write, but yeah. you can't teach someone to like show up on time. <laughs> so yeah, just, just ultimately, like, I think the big thing is like, they have to care and they just have to have like good work ethic, you know, and the rest is pretty coachable. Like you said, you know, if you care and you have a good work ethic and a good attitude that you can, yeah, you can do pretty good anyways. Awesome. So we talked about uh, keywords a little bit. We talked about writing the content and then your team. Is there anything else on the content side before we move on to talking about links and maybe some other sort of SEO, offsite SEO ideas? Mm, not that I can think of, unless there's anything that you think would be of value or that you're, that you're interested in, but I think um, nothing that I can think of really. Perfect. That means I yeah. asked thorough questions. So moving mm -hmm. on to the link building portion, obviously this domain had something like 400 uh, some odd links. Mm -hmm. Did you build any links or are you planning to in the short term? What's been going on over the last several months here? Yeah. So that's like another, I mean, I look at them at kind of different silos, like link building and content. They don't really overlap very much within the team themselves. And I manage side. So we are doing link building. We started doing link building basically from day one. As soon as we saw the articles, um, as soon as we saw the articles like index wall, we knew that the site was going to be a go. We're basically building like 10 backlinks a month to the site and just keeping that like steady. So we do that ourselves, right? With, with um, uh, just basic like manual outreach, like a mix between guest posts and then getting links inserted into existing articles. And it's about a 50-50 mix. And then for the link building, it's mostly just about like 30 to 50% of the homepage. And then the rest is just going to inner pages that we want to target, but just mixing them around fairly evenly, like not overly focused on just one page. Okay. 
And as far as outreach, and we'll separate it into two buckets. So Mm -hmm. outreach for sounds like guest post, how do you approach that? And do people ask you to pay some admin fee for the links? And how do you deal with that? That's standard. Honestly, that's the standard. I mean, it's it's pretty rare that you're going to get somebody that's not going to want some sort of admin fee. And I kind of just accept that that's part of the business, basically. Right. So we will, you know, I don't tell Google or whatever. But yeah, we will. We will pay for links. And that's just part of business, basically. Um, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, we're trying to like for the guest posts, we're trying to give them like good content and good topics that are relevant to the site that is equally beneficial. Um, but in like most cases, they're going to ask for an admin fee. That, that's just part of doing business. And how much are you paying on average, would you say? And you could give sort of uh, ranges on the domain authority and some of the um, just overall authority of the site and the quality. Yeah. So it it, it, like, it it ranges like crazy. Anywhere from you can pay anywhere from two, like $20 to 150 plus, you know what I mean? 200. Like it, there's no real. And the, the big thing that I think people kind of um, – expect is like some of the more expensive links might be from like a dr25 or a dr30 site that they're going to be asking for like a lot and that's you know it is what it is and then you have you might reach out to a dr60 site and you might get it for free you know so there's no real like you, you can't give like an exact there's no exact it just it's totally random right it's totally random yeah. like all pricing is basically arbitrary anyway so it's just up to the webmaster that what they think their site is worth and some people have a strong emotional connection and i think they were you know, sometimes you get people that are like DR30 site and has a card need like maybe a thousand visitors a month and it looks like crap and they want like $600 for a link. Like it's, there's no, there's no method to it. It's just, gotcha, you know, gotcha. obviously I'm not going to pay $600 for that link, but you know, it's right. just part of it. And do, do you have any tips on finding those sites that you're reaching out to? Yeah. So a lot of it just comes in. The, so number one, I think like with a lot of things, I'm, I'm like a numbers, uh, I'm like a, a I'm a shotgun kind of guy. Like I, I like to just do like, you know, just, just full on or whatever. And I don't like details so much So just reach out to like, I think one of the things is reach out to more sites. Like you're not reaching out to enough sites, no matter how many sites you're reaching out to, it's not enough. Just add to that list, you know? And then a lot of it comes down to the, um, uh, the, how would you say, but like just looking at if, okay. So if you're an affiliate site and you have other affiliate sites in your niche, just look at their domain, like look at their backlinks, right. And they just scrape those backlinks. Like if they're linking to a similar site to yours. And if you want to take that down one step further to save like a little bit more resources, you can also link to like, look at the, the, the links to a page. So you, so I'm sure your audience is like familiar, like say skyscraper or what have you. Um, then if you have uh, if you have a competitor that has a skyscraper like article, right? And they have a bunch of links going to that, chances are that you're gonna have to create skyscraper as well. Like they might not link to a money page because money pages are gonna be harder to build links to. But if you wanna filter that down and go for the really easy links to get, you can look at your competitors and look at their money pages and the backlinks that they've built to their money pages. And chances are you can replicate those because those are gonna be easier links to build, right? Like if you, cause it's less, it's not like a, it's not like a real linkable asset. You know what I mean? Most money pages, right? We all know that. So mm-hmm. it's not like some crazy calculator that you invented that's, you know, that's really like a linkable asset. You know what I mean? So you can sure. filter down one step further. And and that just comes down to like your link prospecting. But ultimately, okay. I think just just grab your competitors, export them all, like put them all into Ahrefs, grab their, all the referring domains that are do follow, put them into a sheet, filter them. What I do is I filter them by minimum traffic 1,000, minimum DR rating of 25, and then just scrape the emails. Just kind of do it like in just just bulk basically. And then just like shotgun outreach for the most part. 
Okay. And I take it, um, you didn't mention this, but review your competitors and then you could look at their competitors and so on. And you end up with almost an endless number of sites that you can scrape their backlinks Mm. and and see where they're getting their links from. Right. Yeah. So as that's a great point that I think it's really important too, and it goes to uh, to backlinks, but also keyword research. So basically with this site, I have a list, I have a master data, like a master database or list of competitors and it has over a hundred websites in my niche on it. Right. All ranging from different DRs, different traffic levels. So, this is really important for keyword research also. You can filter that list by DR. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna filter that list by the lowest DR sites that have the most traffic, right? Cause they're doing really good for on-page and you can scrape all their keywords because they're low DR site, they have good traffic, scrape their keywords. Then you can do the opposite and you can go with sites that have high DR because they've done a really great job at link building. So then you can get all the high DR sites, scrape their theorem for backlinks. And then you kind of have a mix of both and then you can do your outreach and then also your content. That's a simplified version, but it's a good way to look at it anyways. That was brilliant, Kyle. People can just rewind it and listen to what you said again. I'm not yeah. even going to try to repeat it. So a lot of <laughs> yeah. value, a lot of value in that. Mm. Right. So from a link building standpoint, you're doing uh, some niche edits. Those are the link insertions. You're doing some guest posts. You mentioned Haro earlier. Is that a piece of the puzzle that you think is really important? Have you done a lot of Haro outreach or link building? So I haven't done it on these sites, but uh, that's also like a, a sub part of the team, whatever, doing Haro links and doing it mostly for clients and then on other websites as well. So not not on the ones that I'm currently working on. So it hasn't been a piece of this, this one at all. Just because I think for the, I mean, Haro still, they're, they're free links, right? For the most part. But again, you have to have the resources and all the rest of it. So it does end up costing you money. So for me, I just didn't think it was a good use of budget on this site because the DR, the backlinks is already strong enough. I'm basically just doing the niche edits and the guest posts to mostly for adding some links to the site over time. But as a whole, I think the site is strong enough. And then using um, those links just to kind of snipe like specific pages. Cause of course with Haro, you can only build links to the homepage. So a lot of the links I'm using them just to snipe target, target pages. You can't build Haro links to inner pages. So it's, it's not. Yeah. So very good. Got it. And this sounds like a, you know, a fairy tale story. So there's a couple, couple things I want to ask you. Have you built on age domains before and how did it go? Um, yeah. So that's kind of a, a interesting topic as well. So I had, uh, we did one in the same niche actually, and we did this one like a few months before. Um, yeah, few, it, it was pretty recent, like within a, a couple months of each other. So we had in the same niche because we liked the niche and then built that one. And then we found the other domain, like the, the one that we're working on now, the one that I'm working on now. And that one was much stronger, much better. So we, I bought that one as well. So, but ultimately it is the first domain. We ended up just actually 301 redirecting the, the, the first site to this site because it's the same niche. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But this is the first, the first age domain, the first affiliate site that is hundred percent like my own. The other ones that I worked on was for like during my apprenticeship and, and uh, yeah. Okay. So, so this yeah. is your, your first age domain, uh, really your second, but it's all tied up. Yeah. It's, all, it's basically the same. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Okay. And, but it's yeah. your, your first one and everything that you were working on prior to that, it was, as an apprentice working on uh, essentially your, you know, sensei's, is that the right word? Your sensei's yeah, yeah. site <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and, and their stuff, right? 
Okay. Yeah, exactly. On their websites. Yeah. Learning from them basically. Okay. And we will, we will come back to that because I think that's a really key piece of the puzzle as well. So it, again, it does sound a, a little bit like a fairy tale because it has worked mm-hmm. out well. Have you made any mistakes on this site or um, I guess the, the previous site with the age domain where you've rolled it into it? So any, any mistakes along the way? Yeah. So on these ones specifically, actually, it's funny because the first 50 articles that we wrote, they didn't convert. Like, so the traffic, if, if you look like you might share the traffic graph, the traffic graph is crazy. Like it's it, like, even now it's pretty good. Like yeah. we have like over 30,000 visitors a month. You know what I mean? Um, but the trap, like, so all the keywords that we thought, cause w- when I first started, I didn't use Amazon at all. So the first 50 articles that I wrote, uh, it was mostly actually VS articles, like the comparison articles, cause it was really low competition. And I thought they were going to convert like, with a with a non Amazon affiliate. They didn't convert at all, so it didn't make like any money. You know what I mean? So that was like so. Actually, if I had known that from the beginning, that we would be earning even more now. Because you got to think like the first two to three months were kind of like almost wasted in a sense. On I mean, it was getting traffic, but it wasn't converting. It wasn't making any money. So that that was like a big thing. And so that's that's one thing that I would like kind of be careful of when going with like you know Amazon is going to convert you know Amazon is going to make money as long as you can get the traffic and you're obviously your keyword research is good and you're targeting the right keywords but if you have like a decent offer like Amazon is going to convert it's going to make money so just be careful when you're doing non Amazon uh, because it might not convert it might look like it's going to be great or you might find like a non Amazon like so. Um, like a share sell offer and you think, oh, it's crazy. It's got 30% commission or 25% commission, but that only makes money if it converts. And if it doesn't convert, then it's worth nothing, right? So be really careful with that. So, I mean, if you're, and, and obviously with SEO, it all takes time. So you write an article, it might take three months. It might take six months to really get some traffic towards it. It might take a year if your site is new. So it would suck to put all those resources into something that's not going to convert. And I wish I had a way to, some golden piece of advice to give you to, you know, like to, to, to try to avoid that, but it's just something that you have to be careful of. And if I knew how to avoid that every time I'd be rich by now, you know, I like just, it's kind of part of the process. So yeah. basically my approach to that was like, I just started publishing. So once I realized those offers didn't convert, basically what I did was I started publishing only Amazon content because I knew at least I would make some money while I figured out. So basically what I did is originally it was the first 50, 60 articles was all non Amazon. And so it was basically hundred percent like through whatever affiliate program, share, sell, whatever else it was. Right. And then once I realized it didn't convert, then I switched that completely to hundred um, percent for, for monetization. It was hundred percent Amazon. So I was making some money and then I did the occasional article that I thought might convert and I waited for that to rank. Right. And once it ranked, then I realized, oh, okay, this offer is now converting. And then I switched it. So now I'm doing non Amazon completely. And now I switched all over because now I know what's converting. So now you'll see that the earnings is about 60 and it's growing for non Amazon uh, commission. So now it's about from non Amazon, from like the, the non Amazon affiliates, about 60, 70%. So, Got it. And, and we'll keep doing that. We'll do, yeah. Awesome. And a couple key pieces, and you explained it in context. That is perfect, but I, I do try to tell people Amazon converts, even it's a low commission rate, it's yeah. best to start there. If you get traffic, if you can get someone to Amazon, very low friction. Now, in your opinion, Kyle, what do you think the problem was with the offers that didn't convert? Do you know what it was? It sounds like you've identified things that work better. So what do you think the problem was with those early 
posts? Um, yeah, it was mostly just like, uh, just poor keyword research. I think <laughs> just poor keyword research. It wasn't targeted enough. And, uh, yeah, it was a little bit like too broad. It was like, yeah, maybe a little bit too broad. Cause it was, like I said, a lot of it was comparisons, right? It was like comparison articles of this versus that. And I think it was actually, and a lot of times those would be considered like money pages. Cause those, they, they do like, if you're doing model this versus model that, um, it will convert, it will make money and it converts it's pretty good it might be smaller traffic but it, it can make some pretty good money right right uh but in this situation i think that it was like it was more informational in this versus that where people were just it, it was more like an informational topic um yeah and maybe just people weren't buying that particular product like maybe they were just buying it in a store instead of online that was another thing that i considered Okay. And I have a yeah. perfect example. I'll geek out just for a moment. For anyone that plays acoustic guitar, you'll appreciate what I'm yeah. about to say, but everyone else won't give a shit. So I recently bought a Gibson LG2 and it's mm. a spruce top, mahogany back and side, really nice guitar made in Bozeman, Montana. And I was also looking at some Martins. Um, I think it was a double hot, uh, 17s. Again, we're going deep in the weeds here. So some very specific guitars. And I was, I was looking up stuff on forums. I was looking at blogs. I was watching multiple YouTube videos, but the fact is if I'm buying a, you know, $3,000 guitar, I want to hold it and maybe play it a little bit and compare it to another one. So I went to a local shop down in, uh, you know, near Boulder, and sat outside, played the guitars, and I picked the one that I wanted. So the point is, verses are really great, but if it's a high-ticket item, I don't know if yours is a high-ticket item, physical item, like you want to play the guitar. You like you want to yeah. hold it and smell the wood and the case and all that stuff. Again, 100%. this is uh, self-indulgent. I'm just talking about the guitar I just bought. Pretty happy with it. No, it's a, but, no, it's, <laughs> it's a perfect example, though. It's a, it's a that's a, and I think that was like the problem that we had with the articles as well. So that that was a great, uh, great example, and I'm and I'm glad you enjoyed the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind, Kyle. That's uh, nice of you to say. Okay, so from the standpoint of your apprenticeship, mm -hmm. how did you land that? I mean, it, it sounds like. You, You've been uh, traveling quite a bit. How did you land the apprenticeship? It sounds like it's been uh, really valuable. I don't know who you worked with, but I know there's some pretty badasses in uh, Chiang Mai. So yeah, um, sure. you, know, you could share w whatever you're comfortable sharing and, and tell us how someone might approach that if they want to get an apprenticeship and work with people like that. Yeah. So at the time, so before coming to Chiang Mai, this most recent time to, to come to the conference, I was living, like I said, I was living in Mexico city, right? I was there for about a year and I really wanted to pursue like the SEO, like full on, like when I learned about like flipping websites and all this stuff and, and flipping like the, the, like the, the affiliate websites that to me was like, that's what I wanted to do. I really thought that that's cool. Like if I could have, like, if I could flip my own websites and all the rest of that, would be awesome. And of course, like as everyone knows, like apprenticeships or getting some sort of like mentorship is going to fast fast track you into like learning. So basically when I went, I, I booked a, like a, a one-way ticket to Chiang Mai from Mexico City right around the time of the conference. I showed up about one month earlier. So it was like the, the SEO, the, the Chiang Mai SEO conference. So I showed up one month earlier and I basically just had it in my mind that I was going to do whatever it took to... Um, get as much experience as possible like and, and like whatever it was right so it's basically from the moment i landed 
I was just like at every meetup, like trying to connect with people, like what can I do, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's kind of how it started. So once I found out that there was, it was basically just immersing myself as much as possible. I mean, I, I volunteered for the conference. I volunteered to help out if anybody needed anything. And I was also willing to work for free. So there was some, some, some pretty well-known guys there. They had the, um, they put out a, a job listing or, or they were looking for like a new apprentice. And I basically just sent in my, my resume and my application. And then I ended up having like a call with them. And I just said, look, like I'll do whatever it takes to get this position and, and work with you guys. And, and, and uh, actually the funny thing is when I filled out the application, I was thinking to myself, like, man, there's going to be so many people that are going to want this opportunity. So what can I do to stand out? And then I actually wrote up the whole job. <clears throat> like I sent to the resume, but they have like the cover letter. And I wrote up the cover letter and I looked at it and I was like, man, there's nothing in this cover letter that's going to make me stand out at all. It's like, what, what could I, what could I offer them that they would be interested in? Right. Like, uh, cause I didn't feel like I was going to stand out as, is. if you look at my resume and you look at what I've done in the past, it's nothing like so, so great. If you look at my educational background, I mean, I dropped out of high school. So it's like, there's nothing, <laughs> nothing too impressive there. Um, but basically I just rewrote it and I said like, look, I'll do whatever it takes. Um, and I know that hiring is kind of like a crapshoot, right? Like you never know what you're going to get. So what I'll do is I'll work for you for free for the first three months as many hours as you need. Like, I don't care. I'll do it full time. I'll work whatever, as much as you need just to prove to you that I can do this job. So that's basically what stood out. And then I ended up, I, I think I did end up working like the first three months for free and working like, you know, quite a few hours as well. It wasn't like an hour a day. It was working like eight, nine, 10 hours. And of course I had a learning curve as well. Right. So things that might've taken some people one hour, a lot of times they, I'm not sure they knew this because I was working like remotely from my computer, but it would take me like three hours just still trying to like learn and figure things out. Cause I wouldn't ask them. Cause I think a lot of the questions that they were, like the things that they were going to get me to do, I think they would have assumed that I already knew, but I just didn't know it. So I was like on YouTube trying to learn myself. Cause I was just like too stubborn to ask the questions. So uh, but yeah, just kind of doing whatever it takes is to kind of stand out and, and then just, just kind of having that approach on, uh, yeah, just, just, just giving it everything I had basically. So, man, and remind us again, how much experience did you have with SEO <clears throat> when you rolled up to the conference and you, you were telling them, Hey, I'll volunteer, I'll do whatever. Um, yeah. What was your experience leading up to it? So I had already been doing SEO and like getting some pretty good results, but it was all like on Shopify websites. <clears throat> so it was like completely different than Amazon, um, Amazon affiliate. Like you're uh, with Shopify sites, like with e-commerce or drop shipping, you're mostly targeting like product pages, collection pages and all the rest of it. So I had like an understanding I knew about like keyword research and link building and all this stuff. But from like an Amazon affiliate, like on a WordPress website and going through that whole process, it's a completely different game. And especially because these guys are really high level SEOs, right? They're very high level. Like these are not just the, the some of the best really well-known guys in the industry so also the standard is like much higher everything is much higher the websites are bigger Every, the, the the attention to detail is like you know much more extreme than what i was used to so i had already been doing seo for about a year but nothing was compared to like i like like before i did that i like to think oh yeah, i know some seo i know i know i've gotten some good results but when you compare that to what i learned it's like man i was just a baby in seo like i don't know and even now i, I don't i don't like to look at myself as so much of an seo professional or an expert i mean <clears throat> um there's guys that are much better than than, than me of course but uh yeah yeah well said and i yeah. i think probably at least that it, it's working out this way for me the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know anything. So that's, that's exactly how I feel. Yeah. So, so I feel like I know less about SEO now than I did like two years ago. You know what I mean? Like I thought I knew everything. Right. And then you realize you don't know anything. And then, yeah. So, um, yeah. that's exactly how I feel. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it doesn't go away. It actually gets worse. And I think probably the first three months I learned about SEO, that's when I thought I was the smartest. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. So I, I think one thing that comes across, uh, hopefully pretty clearly for everyone listening, watching, is uh, the passion that you you have for this. And I think probably it helps to not come across creepy in a conference atmosphere it's interesting, uh, this world that we're working in really. And I know I I haven't been to the Chiang Mai conference, Matt Diggity. I think he's the, um, the founder, the, the MC for the whole thing. Right. And I have a feeling, right. There are a lot of people that show up and it can be a little weird when a bunch of people show up and they are, putting you on a pedestal. So are there any, I'm not saying that you worked for Matt or anything like that, but are there any tips for not coming across creepy when you're really enthusiastic? Cause you, cause you um, landed the job, you did a great job. Um, but, but I know that that is a, that's a thing. And I know it's something you have to approach, uh, with some assertiveness, but not too assertive. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that like, one of the biggest things that I would say that I've kind of like, so number one is, is if, if you haven't read the book, how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie, like go pick that book up and read it. Like that's, that that's like the biggest thing, right? It's like, I think like a lot of people when they're trying to meet new people or they, they come around, like <clears throat> if you put yourself in a conference, right, you're around like a lot of high level people. I think there's a tendency to become a little bit insecure and you want to show everybody how good you are. But really I try to take the approach on like, man, I don't know anything. I'm just, I'm just here to learn. And I'll try to ask people more questions and, and maybe not even questions about SEO, but like try to get to know these people. Like, you know what I mean? Like the people too. So don't just like go into it and think about like only what you want or what you're trying to get because they're surrounded by that hundred, like everybody, they see it and they were, Oh, can I ask you a question about this SEO problem? I'm struggling this. What do you think I should do here? Blah, blah, blah. blah. It's like, people don't want to be around people like that. Try to ask them about like, how can you help them? What can you provide them? Right. And, and, and I don't mean that as a way of like trying to manipulate them, but just trying to think a little bit more about like their needs and what they're trying to do. And then in return, you know, just trying to just, just try to provide something, you know, so that's like a big thing. So just trying to have that approach and be like, have some humility, be humble. Don't think that, you know, everything don't only talk about what you want to talk about, whether it's work related, SEO related, or even business related, like a lot of business relationships, people, when they go out and you want to have drinks with people, they don't want to talk about work. They want to talk about, their new guitar, for example. So then maybe you could take an interest in their new guitar and that's going to build a friendship. And then later on, they're going to want to help you to build affiliate site. You know what I mean? Like, and I think a lot of times with guys that are really successful, they don't, they don't care as much about business. Obviously they like business, but they they want to have a good time too. They want to talk about regular stuff, their family, their kids, their whatever, their other recent accomplishment that they did outside of work. So just trying to get to people, get, get to know people like on a more um, <clears throat> personable level and try to build like an actual relationship with them and try to go a little bit more deep with few people as opposed to spreading yourself out too thin. I try not to take the approach that I'm going to talk to a hundred people at this conference. I just try to take the approach that I want to try to make one good new friend or one good new contact and really get to know him and him or her, sorry. And then, you know, then the next day maybe do that for three people and, you know, and build like an actual uh, relationship. That's, that's a big part and try to offer them something always offer something first, see what you can do for them. Like that's, that's the biggest thing. And they're going to be a lot more likely to work with you. Awesome. Very good. And you've been so generous with your time. I didn't even realize we've gone way over the amount that I have scheduled. So I will start wrapping it up here. So has this site been a 
big impact on your life? Is there any specific thing where this has impacted your life since it's been so successful in a really short amount of time? Uh, I think, I think the biggest thing is, is just, uh, the confidence, a lot of confidence coming from that. And then also like, there's a lot of like the, yeah, just the confidence and knowing that it works and I could do it myself. But then also the confidence of like knowing that you have to put in like a lot of resources, uh, whether it's your own time or other people's time. And of course, if it's other people's time, then it's money. Like there's a big upfront investment, you know what I mean? That you have to put in and you have to have confidence either one to, to put all that, that effort in yourself first and know that it's going to take a while, like a while to get the results. Um, or even if you have money, like for example, some people might have some savings and they're, they're looking at their savings and going like, man, I don't know if I want to put this into the website. So now like kind of developing that confidence. So now if I have some savings, I know, okay, I have more confidence now that I can invest this or I can invest more time and it might not pay off right away, but it's going to pay off over the long run, hopefully. And if not with, with, uh, money than with experience. So that's, that's the biggest thing that changed for me. was just the confidence, but in terms of overall lifestyle, not a, not a lot changed, you know, for the most part. Like how I live on a day-to-day basis didn't change so much. I was already working remotely and yeah. And, awesome. and I have the same schedule now, you know, I still wake up at the same time, kind of do the same thing. So yeah, just about following the process basically. Very good. Is there anything that I forgot to ask you maybe that's super interesting or did I actually ask some good questions this time? No, you asked, you asked some, some great questions. Um, so I would say you did a great job at that. The one thing that I kind of want to leave people with, <clears throat> which I think a lot of people struggle with, I struggle with it myself when starting like a, a new venture or affiliate website or whatever, I think that a lot of people focus on the really small things. Like they, they do things that are not actually going to push the needle. So try to focus on the big things. Like don't spend a day optimizing for button color when your site doesn't have any traffic, right? Get traffic, build links, build content, write content, write it yourself if you're, or outsource or whatever, but those are going to be the things that move the needle, right? Fresh content every month, fresh content every week or whatever, try to build backlinks. And that's going to be like the bulk of it. Don't, don't worry too much about your theme. Like obviously these things matter, but it's not going to like grow your site like exponentially or, or, you know, make a big impact, like get traffic first, get rankings first, move forward. And also I think a lot of things is, um, what I would say is like, look at, this is kind of like a side thing, but it's something that I really try to promote as well is like, look at kind of what skills you have and what is the most valuable skill that you have. And I think that the idea is that you want to try to change, like if you can make $25 an hour, sorry if I go on a little bit of a tangent here, but I think it's important. If you can make $25 an hour doing sales or whatever job you have, like as just as a general number, work a few more hours a day and then use that money to reinvest with people who, where you can like, use that money to reinvest and outsource the work because a lot of times outsourcing the work is going to be much cheaper. So you can hire somebody in the Philippines for $6 an hour, right? So if you work three more hours and you make an extra $75, well, that just pays her, her salary for the whole week. So now you've kind of just like multiplied your time instead of focusing on things that you can get somebody that, you know, $6 an hour to do. That's the biggest thing. So um, maybe your best approach to SEO is not to focus on SEO, but to focus on what you can do to make more money right now to reinvest in SEO, basically, if that makes sense. Yeah. Even if it's very freelancing much. or whatever, right? Yeah. And it's it's a matter of, you know, geo arbitrage a little bit where the the dollar or pound or euro or whatever whatever your currency is goes farther somewhere else. And yeah. leveraging the strengths that you have, maybe it's a high per hour rate, maybe it's your salary and you could work a little more and actually like get more work done than if you actually do it yourself and don't waste yeah. time on dumb stuff. Yeah, very well said, Kyle. Very well said. Yeah, good. Cool. Awesome. Well, 
Where can people find you? Yeah, so I'm actually in the process today of a new website right now. So it's uh, claver.digital. That's going to be the number one spot, I would say. So K-L-A-V-E-R.digital. I'm also a freelancer on Upwork, top rated. Uh, hit me up, man. If you guys need link building content, anything like that, uh, that's basically it. Or yeah, that, that, those would be the two main spots, basically. Um, All right. Awesome. We'll we'll put links in the show notes and descriptions. And Kyle, um, go ahead and raise your rates. Um I can tell you people are going to be hitting you up after this one. So thanks so much. I would love to get an update soon. This has been fantastic. It's been great to connect with you. Cool. Awesome, Doug. I appreciate the time. And and, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks to Kyle. Really appreciate the story. And again, the enthusiasm was amazing. I actually did that interview during my evening time. So I'm usually shutting down my computer and not doing much after like 3, 4 p.m. We're in much different time zones. So I needed to work a little bit later to accommodate Kyle's different time zone. So I was a little tired, but after I chatted with him, I was energized. I had a really good time hearing his story. So I hope that came through with the interview. And if you do have questions, like I said, shoot me an email. You can hook up with Kyle by following the link in the show notes here. By the way, if you do have questions, I'm hoping to do a few mailbag episodes coming up pretty soon. So feedback at Doug.show. You can leave a voicemail. There's a phone number listed in the show notes. So you can just call in, record it. I will play it over the air. I typically, as long as you have a reasonable question, I will put your question on the air. So looking forward to getting those questions from you. Have a great day out there. See you on the next episode.